Hello and welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. And I'm Tracy. And we are missing Val today. (laughs) And I'm Val. Wait, who's that? (laughs) What? Um, (laughs) Val is traveling right now, so we wish her safe uh, travels as she makes her way to her destination and hope that everything goes well for her and we'll miss her today. Uh, But we will try to soldier on without her. It'll be hard. It's It's guys guys night. Yep, and nothing says guys' night like searching for Bobby Fisher. I mean, right? It's should... I mean, it, not that this is a not that this is a, like a, a feminine type film either. This isn't right, what you would right. call a chick flick, and I would never use the term chick flick. No. Obviously, no, no. But it's just not like a a guys' <laughs> night is like Inglorious Bastards or something like that. <laughs> not not searching for Bobby Fisher. Bring a six pack over. I've got Bobby Fisher loaded on the DVR. Let's do this. Said no group of guys ever. <laughs> <laughs> Until now. Until now, exactly. But that's the kind of guys we are, Tracy. We can sit down will- and and have a have a great time with a six pack. Mine would be a six pack of Coke and watching searching for Bobby Fisher. Six pack of water. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah, this, this is a fantastic film. I, I hadn't I seen it movie. for years. And when you suggested, honestly, I was picturing a different film and I cannot think of what the actual name of the film is that I was picturing. But then yeah. as I started watching, it's like, oh yeah, that's what this one is. Yes. I like this quite a bit. So what did you think the other one was? I don't know. That's the thing. It, like did I knew it know, had like, to do with chess. So I was picturing a, a boy playing chess. So I knew this was about chess and I, and I was mixing up two different films with the actor that I was picturing for the little boy is a very right. different actor than wh- who we got here. And I just cannot, huh. it, there was another film with a little boy that came out around this time. And I just can't think of what it is. So I will research that dear viewers and listeners and see if I can figure it out. But uh, that's going to come to me like three o'clock in the morning. It's going to wake you up yeah. out of a dead sleep. Yeah, like, that's what it was. <laughs> um, but I knew this film was, I, I had seen this film, like I said, and I've seen the other film. I was just mixing the two together and right. um, sitting down and watching this. So it, it's a really great film. I hadn't seen it in years. And so revisiting it was was a treat, to be honest. It's, in my opinion, this is kind of an underrated, a very underrated film. And it does not get the play that it deserves and i'm guilty of that as well um the film came out in 93 um Mm -hmm. i was going to film school and i was working at a video store and uh i remember hearing about the movie and my wife went and saw it at the time we were just friends we weren't even dating at that point and she went and saw it and she told me it was really good and i'm like it's a movie about kids playing chess whatever and so i totally dismissed it and working at the video store at the old Video Shark. Uh, video Shark, that's correct. We, <laughs> we were able to put movies on the VCR and play it in the monitors around the store as long as it was PG or G. And so anytime a new PG movie came in, we were so excited because it was like something different to watch because, you know, you can right. only watch Little Women so many times. And mm-hmm. so one day I'm working by myself and this came in and I was like, now what the heck and put it in the monitor and I'm just listening to it while I'm working and I'm going, I think I need to take this home and watch this. And it's, I've, I've loved it ever since. Yeah. It's, it's very good. We've got some strong 
uh, performances from from some well-known actors and some lesser-known actors. And they um, weren't well-known at the time. Yeah. Ben Kingsley was probably pretty well-known. He, he was, but William H. Macy wasn't. Uh, right. Joe Mag- Mag- uh, Mangiano? Oh, yeah, I think... Name? Um, I'm going to have to IMDb it to make sure. Uh, it. Joan yeah. Allen. Joan Allen wasn't nearly as, as impressive as, as she would later become. Um, right. There's even. Um, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Thank you. Yeah. A very young Lawrence Fishburne rewatching that. I was like, Oh yeah. man, I forgot how young he is. <laughs> yeah. Watching it again. I was like, wait, is that, it is. Okay. All right. I'm on board with this. <laughs> Um, <laughs> That's and he, was, and he was he he was like and in this he was kind of like the chess morpheus anyway this for, is true. for little joshua you know this trying to help true. him understand uh looking at the game a little bit differently than his coach who by the way ben kingsley apparently in this they decided to go super strong with the uh sting hair for him he looks uh-huh. like sting from mm-hmm. the police um and i was just like with <laughs> I don't know why, but I need more Ben Kingsley with sting hair in my life. Like that just was okay for me. It was fine. I had no idea that I needed that until I saw it. And I was like, okay, I'm down with this. This is fine. Where has this been all my life? Why do I not have more of this? Why, why is he bald so often? This is great. (laughs) He needs hair all the time. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so those those who haven't seen it, and probably a lot of the people that are tuning in either haven't seen it in a long time or haven't seen it ever. Um, mm-hmm. It's based on a true story. It was a, a book written by this dad, and he had mm-hmm. a son who ended up becoming kind of a chess prodigy. Um, and and this is a story about how the kid started. Um, he saw some some people playing chess in the park in New York. Um, for money and, and drug deals are going down and, uh, it's kind of a shady spot, especially for kids. And he fell in love with it and picked it up just like a savant, like just yeah somehow picked this up. And it's the story of the dad and, and the mom, they hire a, a chess coach to try and help him and, um, helping him still try and be a kid, but yet still. Uh, be successful at the tournaments. And and it is a really, really strong, heartfelt movie. Yeah, I agree. It You're kind of waiting um, for that moment where things go really bad or really ugly between like the parents and the kid or between the, the parents, uh, you know, the mother and the father, because mm-hmm. a lot of times that's how we kind of insert drama into these kind of stories is with all of a sudden the family relationships are falling apart. And so the kids got to make it through that or mom and dad have to make it through that. And they're really, I mean, there, there was a fight like towards mm-hmm. the end, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like a, a you never thought, okay, these guys are going to divorce and she's going to leave right. him or anything like that. Right. Um, so which is very different because I, I do think that you insert that kind of stuff a lot into stories, not in a, a lazy way necessarily, but sometimes it's a little overdone. So it was kind of nice to yes. see that like there was a struggle there as the dad, I think trying to be supportive for his son, like dads tend to do maybe gets a little too overboard with the support and what he wants his son to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And she's got to rein him in, but it doesn't happen in a way that you're like, Oh, now they're divorced and they don't even like each other anymore and stuff like that. Right. And, and, and it happens in real life. 
Yeah, and they didn't try and make either one of the characters a villain. They didn't make her right. um, like this harpy, shrieking woman. She's just like trying to protect her son. Um, mm-hmm. And he's trying to, in some ways, he's kind of put his, and, and not being a father, I don't know if this happens a lot, but um, it's almost like he's projecting himself onto his son and he wants his son to succeed because then it makes it seems like he is more of a success. I mean, the guy's a sports writer. The guy is accomplished. Um, yeah. It's not like he's just a lazy bum by any means, but it's kind of like if my kid's really, really, really good at something, that means that I did something good. I think um, it's interesting because I think the other side of that is um, he wants his son to be successful at sports because that's his whole life. Right. He, you right. know, at the beginning he says, Oh, well, but you're going to play baseball, right? Are you going to write about sports? <laughs> are you going to play sports? So oh, I'm going to play sports. I'm going to play second base. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's fine. And the kid, like they show him playing baseball and he's, he just doesn't suck at it necessarily. He's just not probably right. ever going to play in the major. He's not because a prodigy. He's not a prodigy of baseball. And let's face it, like less than 1% of the kids that play little league are going to end up playing in the majors. Yes, absolutely. So like there's that aspect to it. And I think, you know, he wants to be into that kind of stuff. I remember as a kid feeling that way with my dad, like there was stuff that my dad was into that. I was like, well, I want to connect with my dad. And I think most sons want to Mm -hmm, on some mm -hmm. level. And so they try to find a way to connect with their dad. Uh, Maybe it's getting into something that they may or may not enjoy so much. Um, and, And maybe they grow to enjoy it for me growing up, going to college football games, like, I, I like sports, but I think a big reason why I like sports is because that was how I was bonding with my dad, going mm-hmm, to those mm-hmm. games with my dad, going to basketball games with my dad, watching sports on TV with my dad. Those were ways that I connected with him. But like now I look at it and like I'm way into a lot of other stuff that isn't necessarily sports related. I still enjoy sports. And when it comes sure. on, I still remember those times. But that was a way for me to connect with my dad. Well, and, and you bring up a good point because I'm exactly the same way. Um, my family, w- growing up, we had season tickets to football and basketball games up at the University of Utah. And there was a time in my life where I did not get along with my dad at all. But we could still find common ground in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great line. I don't want to get too off topic, but there's a great line from the movie City Slickers um, if you remember that with uh, Billy Crystal and mm-hmm. one of the guys says um, how you guys memorize all these baseball stats and that's so stupid. And the other guy said, no matter how bad it got with my dad, we could always talk baseball. And so at least that mm-hmm. kept that lifeline alive. And, and there's a lot of that, I think, you know, there's, and there's a lot of expectations. Like I remember um, my dad, you know, would go out in the yard and it, would play catch football and he'd come over and try and correct my form. And um, it would almost be like, okay, you're not super athletic. So now you want me to be, and I, I don't think he was necessarily thinking that, but that's how I took it at times. Mm-hmm. So, and I think this movie explores that in a beautiful way. I agree. And, and I think, I think there is something to be said for that. I think as you get older, you look at a lot of those opportunities that you wonder, what if I had gone out for the team or what if I had done this or what if I had done that? And, then I think when you have kids, it's easy to look at your kids and say, okay, well now here's my opportunity. I get a, I get a redo 
almost. Mm-hmm. And you, mm-hmm. and I think it's hard. And we see the dad struggling with that in this. We see, I think his name is, it's either Fred or Frank. Let me look here. Uh, I think it's uh, Fred. Fred Waitskin. Oh man. I just had it. And then I, yeah, Fred. Um, so I think you see Fred exploring that and trying to come to grips with that because, you know, he wants him to play baseball. He wants him to be a sports fanatic like himself. And then when he does not he's still trying to connect with him, which is great. But then he mm-hmm. does chess the same way he does sports where it's like, great, there's competitions. Let's get you to all the competitions. Let's have you win them all. Like, Hey, this is what we've been working so hard for is that state. You're going to take it all. And, and he has to adjust again to realize he's taking all the fun out of it. And he's not enjoying this the way he's not using it as a way to connect. He's using it as a way to channel himself through his son almost. And that mm-hmm. you have to be careful as a parent, uh, as a human being in any kind of mentor relationship, you have to right, be careful right. not to do that with the person you're mentoring. Right. Absolutely. Um, that scene where they take all the trophies off of the, off of the shelf so that he mm-hmm. can have a clean space to concentrate on his, on his chest. And then later when his dad, he wakes up and he hears a noise and he, he rolls into bed or, you know, rolls over in bed. And his dad's putting all the trophies back and he's like, these belong to you. You know, it's, yeah. and, and this is, this is one of the reasons that I love this movie for, well, there's a lot of reasons, but I think Steven Zellian's screenplay is just mm-hmm. sublime. It, it won best adapted screenplay for the Academy Awards and rightfully so um, for, for that year. It's just, there are such small little, he, he, the thing with Steven Zellian, he also, um, wrote uh, Schindler's List, which he was also up against. Um, I think he won that for best um, screenplay for that. But anyway, um, he also wrote that film. And he's got a way of, he's almost like um, Sorkin in that he says so much with so few words. You know, and then the other thing that I love too, um, he really lets the cinematography tell the story. Mm -hmm. And this is such a simple movie and the camera techniques that they use are so simple, but so effective. I mean, we've got, I, I love. So when, when Josh's dad is first saying, Hey, let's play a game of chess. And, yes. and uh, Josh is like, Hey, can we go out? Can we go over to the car dealership? Can we go do something fun? The dad's like, no, we'll have fun. It'll be good. And they cut to a shot and they just have like Josh's shoes and they're, they're untied and they're too mm-hmm. big for him. And his feet's on mm-hmm. the rocking chair and it doesn't touch the ground. And he's sitting on two phone books and you can tell that he's just not interested. And, and he's, he plays and his dad plays a couple moves and then his dad goes check. And he just kind of looks at him and then they cut yeah. back to the dad. Then they cut back to him and he looks at him like, yeah, go ahead. and then his dad's like, Oh, checkmate. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so he's letting the, the, the camera, tell that story but then my favorite one of my favorite shots in the movie is when joan allen says uh she says you can beat your dad you won't hurt his feelings and josh stands up and takes the phone books and drops them on the floor and then you get this piano chord that hits at the same time and it's like okay it's on (laughs) yep hold on just one second um sorry everybody this is really i've got to go close my door really quick oh no worries By the way, Jake, your background is fantastic. 
You've got battle chess going on back there. Yeah, I wanted I wanted it to say chess, and it, and it does for the most part, except that like the one piece is right behind my head. But <laughs> but still. But you get the gist. Oh. I mean, there's you get the gist. Back. Yeah. Yeah, it's all yeah. it's all chess here. Um, <laughs> I, I love that scene that you're talking about, and you're right. There is so little dialogue in that scene, and so much story being told. Like when he's looking at his dad, like. So Come just on. check. Come on, Dad. Come Pick on. It up. Oh yeah, checkmate. Okay, yep. You beat me, Dad. And Let's like, go. so when he goes in and he talks to his wife, and she's like, "No, you didn't beat him." He's like, "Oh, I should have let him win." No, he lost on purpose. I'm like, yeah, you dummy. Like, did you miss that whole exchange? Like the delay <laughs> the, and everything else. But the dad's like, "No, <laughs> no, no, that can't be." And he's thinking this is going to be like basketball or baseball or whatever, where you know. Like traditionally, your dad stops playing basketball with you when you can beat him one on one, and then it's like, oh yeah, I'm not interested in basketball anymore because, like, it's only fun, and that's that's stereotypical, right? I'm sure that's not always the case with everybody. But that is dad, a great I, moment in a young man's life. Yeah, when you beat your dad the first time, you're like, <laughs> you beat yes. your dad at some, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and so when he, so he doesn't want to do that to his dad. Like, and you can, and I think that's the reason when his dad sits up the chessboard, he's like, okay, mom says you like to play chess. Let's see if you know how to play chess. Supposedly you've picked this up somewhere. And he knows that this isn't what his dad's into. He knows that this isn't what his dad likes. And so apparently an activity that they've done is go to dealerships and pick up car brochures and, and collect those. And so he wants to go do that because he knows that's what his dad is into. Right. Right. And so he's trying to. Like he wants to connect with his dad so badly, but he loves the chess and he just realizes that this isn't what his dad is into. And and all credit to his dad, like he gets into it and he supports him, albeit he goes too far the other way, but at least he he gets into it once he figures out that his son is good. Right, right. So um yeah, I mean that that scene is just like I said, there's so much storytelling there and so little, and then, but then it continues. And and we have yes. the shot of the dad and he's sitting there and he's pondering and he's pondering and there's late afternoon light starting to come through the window. And yes. Everything's kind of golden. So you know that it's later in the day and then they cut to Josh and he's playing mousetrap with his sister and his dad's like, okay, I moved. He's like, okay, move this piece. And he knows. And it's progressively getting, you know, at one point he's on a phone call with somebody. He's like, yeah, I'm just playing chess with my dad. Oh, hey, hold on just a Hang second. On. I'll be right back. Goes and moves. It comes back. And then my favorite is when he's in the bathtub. And his dad's like, okay, Josh, it's your move. He's like, did you move you that move pawn? pawn? I moved a pawn. Yeah, that's the one. That one. Go ahead and move, you know, tell some, move my horse over here now? or whatever. <laughs> He's like, you mean your knight? Yeah, my knight. Just move him over here. Like, he's not even looking at the board at that point. And I think that's when they start to realize, okay, this is more than just a passing fancy. He is really good at this, and he really understands this game. But I love how they get to that point because his dad thought, okay, this will be a quick 10-minute game. We can go pick up brochures at the dealership. Right. Uh, Yeah, and it was not. It was an all-day thing. And most of that was because his dad had to sit there and think about what his next move was. He didn't have to think about it at all. He saw it. I, well, when you talk about the cinematography in this um, and the and how it visually tells a story, I think one of the best examples for me is looking at him when he's going to the park and seeing all the different characters in the park. 
mm-hmm. and the experience of playing chess there, you know, they don't talk about how they're gambling there. They show that they're gambling there, you know, they're right. passing money back and forth mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of the different characters that you see there. And then you contrast that to what he sees when he goes to the chess club and he meets Bruce for the first time. And right. you can tell these are two very different chess worlds. Oh, and, absolutely. and they don't have to communicate that verbally. It's just, completely done visually because of when they walk in and you see how different and how it feels, it just feels different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I like, I really like how they did that. Um, and the way they decided to describe those differences that way. Well, and, and yeah. So when they have the scene where Bruce is talking to the dad and he's, he's like, have you ever been to a chess tournament? And, and Ben Kingsley's kind of an Irish accent in this one. Um, yeah, again, I don't know why, but sure, we'll go for it. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing is, okay, look, the guy's name is Bruce Pandolfini, Pandolfini. which yeah. if I had to guess, obviously Irish. I mean, right. why not? Pandolfini, that's totally an Irish-sounding name. But whatever. Hey, you know, Nowadays, ben, Kingsley's people gotta do what ben Kingsley's got to do. Yeah, and nobody's going to argue with him because he's Ben Kingsley. Right. <laughs> Especially when he's got that sting hair. Nobody's going to argue with that sting hair. Come you can't. You but can't. I, but I, I love that scene because it's it's so crowded and it's so dusty. There's like this, like you can almost feel the dust in the air. It feels old and stale. And they have these chess masters, um, some of which, by the way, they actually got some chess masters to be extras mm-hmm. in the film. And some of them are in the park and some of them are in the, um, in that chess tournament with the, with the grandmasters. And when, when he's like, I got a pawn, I got him thinking. And, and Bruce is saying to Fred, he's like, how much, how much do you make a year to $2,000? You know? And then, and then the dad's like, okay, I see what's going on here. You don't want me to say yes, but you do want to say yes. Because otherwise you wouldn't have yeah. brought me here. And he goes through this whole convoluted thing. And, and Bruce just looks at him and goes, you have no idea what I want. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea what I want. And that was such an interesting. Okay, Bruce is an interesting character throughout the mm-hmm. whole thing. Because I'll be honest, Fred obviously didn't know what he wanted in there. But there were right. points in the film where I had no idea what he wanted. And I don't know that that was as intentional. I mean, in that moment, obviously, he's trying to he's playing Fred the way he wants to. He wants to get to Josh. He wants to teach Josh. Um, He's seen his potential and everything else. And he sees him as the next Bobby Fisher, which we probably need to take a minute in a minute to talk about who Bobby Fisher is and why this film is called that because he's not in the film um, at all, but at all, (laughs) but, but in that moment, obviously he's trying to, to move the pieces where he wants to move them. But later in the film, like at one point he wants them to be in competitions, but he doesn't want to go to the competitions. And then there's all of these mixed messages from Bruce throughout the film that I feel like I don't always understand where Bruce is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and usually that would upset me, but for some reason it works in this film. Usually I want fairly clear definitions as to what the character's motivation is, but, mm-hmm. but I think, I think it adds a layer of, of complexity to this character. He's not just cut and dried. Um, there's a lot of gray to him. And, you know, when he, he can be so kind at times and yet so cruel at times that scene with the master chess certificate where he's mm-hmm. like, you're not going to move till you get one. Okay, here you go. And he puts it on the table. You want another one? Okay, here you go. Do you want yeah, 10? He's got, 
here we go. Of them. Yeah. You know, and it's like it is that is just like cruel. Um and so he's he's a really dynamic character for me. Yeah. And like at one moment it's like when he when he comes and visits him for the first time and he just kind of visits with him and they talk about all sorts of stuff and the dad asks, "So did you talk to him about chess up there?" He's like, "Oh, it didn't come up." And he puts his coat on and leaves and that's it. And and so at that moment, it's like, okay, good. They want him to have this kind of balance in his life. It's not just all about chess and, you know, not every, he doesn't have to eat, drink and sleep chess. But then later when his dad's like, no, I want him to go play at the park. And, and his dad's finally come around a little bit. And he's like, I know you think you're doing what's best for your son, but you're not. He needs to be always doing chess. And, and that's where I kind of felt like, okay, there are some incongruencies here between the different parts. And I think you're right. I think it's, he's just a complex character. Um, and of course, masterfully played by a great actor and, and it comes across really well, but there are moments where I'm like, I can't tell if you're just like this really great teacher or you're just kind of a jerk. And I don't know which one it I is. Kind of, throughout. I kind of get the feeling and, and maybe this is how he was in real life, but I think he is a little bit more on the, on the jerk side in that he's very old school. He's a, he's a big believer and this, this is how it's done. This is the way it's done. And mm-hmm. you have to do the way that it's, that it's done. And yeah. if you stray from that, then you're going to have issues. Um, I, I do like, and I, I like the line where he says to the dad to send a child into it, or I think he says it to, to the mom where he says, to send a child into a competition and not prepare him is wrong. And it's like, yeah, yeah he's kind of got a point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but. like, it's just, it's so hard because you don't like, we want to be, and and I'm talking the metaphorical me or we, because I don't have kids, but it, we want to protect the kids. We don't want the kids to have their feelings hurt. We don't want them to be, um, feel like they're less than what they are. We don't want them to feel like they're a loser. Um, but there are hard life lessons that we can only protect them from for so long. Yeah. And and that's absolutely right. And that's the hard thing. I think that parents walk this tightrope of how do I do that in a way that's still loving and kind because, yeah. you know, minutes before he delivers that line that you can say, well, that's absolutely right. He's telling Josh that, look, you've got to learn to have contempt for your, right. for your opponent. You have to hate him so that you want to win. And you have and to Josh have contempt like, for everybody there. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. I, I, that's not me. That, yeah. And, and so, you know, on the one hand, yeah, he's right. You got to prepare him for those losses and those defeats. But on the other hand, I think you can do it without teaching the person to hate the other side. Yes. Yes. And, absolutely. Um, and that is what leads to the argument between um, the two parents and when she says, you know, you think he's weak, but he's not. He's decent. And if yes. you or Bruce beat that out of him, then I'm taking him away from here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I think that was the moment where dad starts coming around and realizing, oh, yeah, that's oh. who my son is. And that's really a good thing for my son to be. Yeah. Um, so before we get to like the end, and there's a right. couple of other things. Let's talk about Bobby Fisher because this is called Searching for Bobby Fisher, and you never find him. Spoilers, they nope. don't find him in the film. Nope. <laughs> um, so Bobby Fisher was this chess 
prodigy who was like a grandmaster chess player, world champion. Um, he was like the first American to ever win the world championship. Right. Cause this, this will be shocking for people to find out Americans are not typically like top of their class in chess for whatever reason. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> I, it's, but, but he was really, really good. And he just saw the, the chess in a very different way. He went, uh, and I think it was in like 71 or 72, he won the championship um, against the Russian. This Russian. Yeah. And so it was this big cold war thing because it right. was USSR versus the United States. Anytime that happened on any kind of world stage, then it was like, we had to prove our dominance, you know, whether it was going to the moon on the hockey ice or the chessboard, we had to try to find a way to each side was trying to show there that they were better. Um, right. And so he beat, the, the Russian guy. <clears throat> and then shortly after that, he gives up his world championship. He like forfeits it or whatever you call it. When you do that after the match is won, mm-hmm. he, um, and then he disappears. He's like, right. no, I'm just like, he, he was like, as much as you could be as a chess player, he was this huge national celebrity because he was representing right. us versus Russia. Right. And he gave all of that up and just disappeared. Well, and it reminds me too of like anytime there's the Olympics, like mm-hmm. nobody watches rowing, but if the U.S. is winning a medal in rowing, we're all for it, right? Um, the last, the last Winter Olympics, when the U.S. got the gold medal in curling, like I had never watched a curling match right? or game <laughs> or bout or whatever it's called in my life. But all of a sudden, the U.S. had a chance to win a medal. I was there for that. Absolutely. <laughs> and I watched with those little brooms. And I'm trying to figure out the rules just because it was the U.S. And they were doing right. well. Right. Um, so, yeah, he's this. and But he was even more of an international celebrity. Yeah. Um, he, he was a worldwide name. Like, people knew who he was. And I think he moved to Iceland, if I remember correctly. I think that's eventually where if- he went going. I don't know like, if he ended up going to Iceland. That's where the, the competition was against the, the Maybe that's what Russian I'm chess master. Maybe that's what uh, I'm and thinking. he And I don't think he went to Iceland because I don't know if they would have had him. Because on his – and they talk about this in the film. Is, as he was going to Iceland, he, like, insulted them and said that's it was, right. like, the worst place ever. He got to his room and said that his view was too nice and, like, just didn't – didn't. I mean, he may have been a little socially awkward. A little prickly. Overall. That's but, right. Yes. And you're wondering why they're telling you all of this. And it makes sense because he's saying, you know, he had, he had contempt for everybody and everyone that he was facing. And then that comes and that book ends with uh, Bruce's comment about, you've got to have contempt for your enemy. And then what Josh does in the last match against uh, Jonathan Poe. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, Bobby Fischer disappeared. He came out of hiding again in 1992 for a rematch against the Russian guy. And he beat him again and then he disappeared again. Uh, yeah. He did pass away sadly in 2008, and uh, but lived his life privately, uh, very privately, um, in between his world championship and and the time when he passed. And so, uh, just an interesting figure. Uh, and I and that's kind of they start comparing him to a young Bobby Fischer because. Bobby right. Fisher is on record as saying he started getting serious about chess when he was seven years old and he was also a child prodigy with it and things like that. <clears throat> That's a lot of pressure to put on somebody like, 
Oh, I mean, yeah. that's like picking up a seven-year-old that's really good at basketball and being like, oh, look, here is the next Michael the next Jordan. LeBron like, Jordan. Jo yeah. Nobody LeBron can James, live Michael up to Jordan. that kind of pressure. Right. Absolutely. Um, and and the, that's the, that scene um, at the beginning, there's, uh, there's just so many good scenes in this movie. Um, but when Lawrence Fishburne is like watching him, watching Josh play mm -hmm. the other grand wizard and, uh, and the guy that's a different sorry. organization. Grand yeah, master. <laughs> no grand wizard. My bad. My bad. No KKK here. Um, excuse yeah. me. Grandmaster. That's yeah. we, better. We, wow. we can be better than our president. We do renounce white supremacy in all of its forms. A hundred percent. All of it. <laughs> Leave it to me to just derail this whole show. That's all right, um, but it did it did demonstrate how easy that is actually to just say on the air. So yeah, I, and, and it's easy to say. You know what? I misspoke. Yeah, yeah, that's easy too. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I love when when um, Lawrence Fishburne's character Vinny is watching the match, and mm -hmm. then he's like, "What's your name, Josh? Josh, what? Don't tell him your name. Waitskin." <laughs> and he's like, yeah. "All right, Josh Waitskin, I'm going to tell I'm these brothers that I saw you." In the day, um, so as we start to head towards a little bit later into the film, before we get to the finale, mm -hmm. there is one scene. And, and when I taught film, I taught film for just over 10 years, um, I would choose a movie. We talked about the different aspects of filmmaking throughout the course. Um, we had one week that was just on the history of film. Um, we had a week that was about acting. We had a week that was about um, screenplay. And I would almost always use this movie as screenplay because um, I, again, at this college, I could only use PG or G films. Mm -hmm. PG-13, if it was if it was very careful. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but I would show this film and, and most of the kids would be like, and it, the class started at 7.30 in the morning. So, I mean, watching mm -hmm. movies at 7.30 in the morning is not really easy, especially when you're a teenager. Um, they're, like, kind of fading off. And, yeah. And, but, and at first, they'd kind of be like what how I was when I first heard about this movie. They're like, oh, a movie about kids and chess. And then at, towards the end, when he goes back to the park and he's playing Vinny, and, he's, and Vinny's like, what was that move? It was the Schliemann attack. Schleiman attack. Who taught you that? My teacher. Well, you're not playing your teacher anymore. You're playing me. And, and he, and, and Lawrence Fishburne in that scene where he's like, better, better. Okay. Move. All right. You got to play the man, not the board. You got to play the man. And then the line that I love is he's like, you've got to risk it all. You've got to risk it. You got to get to the edge of defeat. That's where you want to be. You want to be on the edge of defeat. And by the time they finish that scene, like I would look around the room and almost all the kids are like just entranced by this yeah. scene. And I just, it, that's what sets you up going into the final, um, the final sequence in the film at the tournament. Yeah. This, this is a great film I think to pick uh, for screenplay because it follows a really good tried and true formula of, of three solid acts and you've got it you've got the point where everything falls apart before it's got to come back together so that he can, you know, defeat his enemy who is Jonathan Poe. But, but you can see how this follows a very traditional path that you learn. You go to any story writing class, any mm -hmm. 
uh, screenwriting class are going to teach you this same kind of idea that you've got to have these three separate acts. And this one does very well. And I think that's yeah. where you kind of get into the third act where it's like, okay, now we're getting into the finale and we're going to get to the, to the final showdown there. Um, and, and again, it goes back to working in harmony um, mm -hmm. with the cinematographer um, Conrad Hall. Um, he only did five movies after this before he passed away. Um, he did uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm -hmm. um, he did a lot of really, really good movies. And so he and Steven Zellian as the director work really well together because in that final scene, then Bruce says, it's there. He made a mistake. And you have a close-up of the chess piece. And then you cut back to Bruce and to, and to um, the dad. And, and the dad's like, what mistake? What happened? And he's like, Josh, it's there. It's 14 moves away, but it's there. And mm -hmm. the camera racks focus. We get a close-up of that chess piece and we rack focus to showing Josh and Josh is looking puzzled. Josh is like trying to figure this out and they keep doing that. And then at the end, they do it one more time and they rack focus again and he kind of sits back. And then, the, then you cut to um, Bruce saying, he's got it. He's yeah. got it. He knows what to do. Yeah. So that... Let, let's let's talk about that final chess match because honestly, out of all the chess matches that I've watched, and this is probably the only one, um, <laughs> it is it's you're enthralled in the moment because this is what the whole movie has been leading up to, right. uh, and not just that you've trained Josh and he's he's this perfect chess player, but more all of his best parts are now coming together, and you see that yes. at different moments as he's playing. Because as they're watching in the background and he goes to move his queen out and Bruce is like, don't move your queen out. Don't move your queen out. It's too early. And Vinny's like, move it out. And, and so he does. <laughs> and so you can see how Vinny's influence on the game is. And then later when Bruce is like, no, it's there. Just look at it, watch it Clear until you see it. And he's, and he, you can see he's going through it and he's remembering the conversation where he knocks all the chess pieces off the board and, and all of that's going through his head. So you can see the influences of everybody coming in and, and how it's helped him bring all of his best parts together. Um, and then, and then, then oh, go it ahead. culminates. Then we bring the mom aspect in. Yes. Because he sticks his hand out. Yes. And he's, what is that? It's a draw. I'm offering you a draw. Yeah. Why? Why? Because you've lost. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. Like he knew he had him. And when he put uh -huh. his out there, Bruce's like, yep, he knows. He knows he's got him. And his dad's like, what's he doing? He's offering the draw. Like, that's the decency in him. He didn't yes. have to beat him. He knew he could. He knew he had him. And but so he, he was, was willing to share the championship. Team. Yeah. Because he didn't want to destroy this kid. He wanted – he just wanted to know that he could do it. Like, it goes back to the moment with his dad – where his dad's like, look, you don't have to keep playing chess. I don't want you to. And he said, I do. Right. And he realized, this right. is what I want to do. And that comes out in that moment too. Like he knew it at that point. He had nothing else to prove because he was trying to prove it mm -hmm. to himself at that point. Um, but the stupid kid, he's not stupid. He's obviously very brilliant. <laughs> but I shouldn't call any kid stupid. I mean, <laughs> that's really harsh. Um <laughs> But but Jonathan decides no I'm gonna I think I can still beat you right and then he loses um, and it but it is a powerful moment because he has finally become comfortable with who he is and that's really you know kind of the whole the whole point of 
everything is him figuring out himself. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, then, but I love that. I love that scene. That in in scene, like I said, out of all the chess matches that I've ever sat down and watched, it's definitely the most entertaining. It, it's it to me, it's almost like a, a sports movie. This is the yeah. Where somebody gets the the game winning touchdown, or they hit the baseball out of the park. Um, it, this is just as enthralling and just as interesting as any kind of athletic um, piece. And I think that that is, again, a culmination of how well directed and written and shot um, and edited this movie is. And I love, too, the parallels when um, Vinny, after the match is done and Jonathan starts to walk down the hallway and he's all by himself and all the kids rush past him to get to Josh to celebrate. And Vinny comes up to him and he's like, I told you. I told you. And then it cuts to Jonathan's teacher who's saying mm-hmm. the exact same thing with a completely different message out in the hall. And it's just like that by the grace of God goes Josh, you know, that very yeah. easily could have been him. And it was at some points with his dad. Yeah. When, when he goes to the state championship and he had seen Jonathan play and he had seen kind of his workings and he didn't think he could beat him. He didn't have the confidence. And so he didn't want to lose in the finals to Jonathan. So instead he lost on purpose to some right. kid, you know, yeah, and, then it's his choice to lose. Yeah. And so then his dad's furious with him, like a sports right. dad would be. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're out in the rain and like really dad's everywhere. You need to learn this. If you really want to drive home a dramatic point, do it in the middle of a rainstorm with your son. <laughs> Like that just will drive the point home even more than like if you're just having a lecture in their house. So really is this from experience? Yeah. Parenting tips, parenting one-on-one do it out in the rain. It's just more effective. Um, Mental note. Yeah. It added to the drama, but it really like, honestly, I I can't picture my dad would be like ticked at me in that scenario, but he would definitely wait till we were in the car and it would be like not in the rain. But it worked in the movie. Yes, um, yes. To to drive the point home. Well, and but, then at the end, at the end, when he's talking to his friend, um, I can't think of the friend's name off the top of my head. Um, that's because I think they say it like once in the film, and it's yeah really important. But he's 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 ta- they're like talking, and he's like, "So what'd your dad say?" And he's like, "He said I brought my queen out too early. I do that too." And they're like having this little conversation, and then he says, "Can I tell you a secret?" you're a much better player than I was at your age. And the other kid yeah. just goes, thanks. You know, <laughs> it's just, again, that decency and that humanity. Of course, the part that he's leaving out is he wasn't really playing chess at the point that when he was that kid's age, he just picked it up, you know? So, but, right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that scene's awesome. I love uh, when he shows up to the, the tournament and he asks him, well, where have you been anyway? And he's like, oh, 50. <laughs> yeah, we went two weeks, didn't have, couldn't talk about chess, couldn't play chess. Couldn't, and he like shows the picture. And the, the other dad looks at his dad. And he's like, fishing? Really? He's like, yeah. Like, yeah. And he's like, that's cool. Like, he's yeah. so jealous. That he <laughs> like, didn't have to play. Um, <laughs> the other the, scene that I love that we got to talk about real quick is William H. Macy really steals the show when they're at the very first chess tournament. And I, and, and this, this scene, and it was so fun 
having my students in the room because I knew this scene was coming up and kind of watching them watching the movie mm-hmm. when he's like, okay, now all of you need to behave like adults. Yeah. <laughs> you think he's talking to the kids. You're going to be nope. so professional. You're going to be decent. You're not going to make any noises. You're not going to And it's just all the, the parents. Players, you just watch them stand behind them. No, no eye contact. And then the fight that breaks out because the one guy's like giving signals to his kid or whatever. Signals, many signals. I yeah. touch my ear, but I'm not really touching my ear. Yeah. But then they go down into the basement and the two dads, kids, they're going to face off with each other. And, and the dad, Fred, looks at him. He's like, you're lucky you don't get nervous at these things. Are you hungry? You want? Do you like tuna? No, I'm okay. I'm gonna get you a tuna fish sandwich. You're gonna get me a tuna fish sandwich. You want a tuna fish? No, I'm gonna get you a tuna fish sandwich too. Because it's just so full of nervous energy. Pacing back and forth as they're as the kids are delivering what's happening upstairs. And like when it seems like Josh made a bad move and lost a player, he's like, Well, that's all right, you know. And like I'm sure he did it for position. Yeah, yeah, and they're doing that back and forth to each other, and it's just okay. And then when the kid comes back, it's over, and then he just turns around and walks away. They're like, "Wait, <laughs> who, won? who won?" And then it cuts to the him asleep on the train, and the camera pans down, and he's holding the trophy. Yeah, you know, again, visually telling that story. It was um, it was so well done, but yeah, the two the, those just, two William H Macy and Fred, <laughs> the two of them playing off of each other. It was just really, really good. I'm going to get you a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> like, I want a tuna fish sandwich. Like, I'd be ticked if somebody got me a tuna fish sandwich. I'm not a tuna fan anyway. Especially so. out of like a vending machine too. Yeah, it can't, be, can't good. be good. No. Nah. Uh-uh. Uh, so the one complaint I probably have about the film uh-huh. is I needed more Vinny in the film. Like I could see and, that. And not just because I like Lawrence Fishburne. He's great. And he was a wonderful actor. And his character was really good. I just felt like they kind of hinted at like all this time that he was playing at the park, but they really didn't show that a lot. And they didn't really show that relationship building between him and Vinny. Like he would mention it like, Hey, does Vinny sleep in the park? Can he come sleep in my bed? He can have the top bunk, whatever. But like, (laughs) you don't really see that. That was like the one part of the film that wasn't shown and was told instead. And that was so much more of it was so visually done. And, and this part wasn't. But yeah, I, I would I would agree with that for sure. But at the same time, when you're editing a film and you're putting it together, this film comes in under two hours because right. this was made in the 90s. So it was before the time when we have to make every film at least two and a half hours long or else it's not a serious film. So like this was back at a time when you could tell a good story. And when you do that, you've got to cut some stuff out to keep it tight. And I think that something had to give. And, and if that's what had to give, then it's what what they had to do. I mean, they still put together a really great film. So yeah. no, but I totally see your point on that for sure. sure. So what would you grade searching for Bobby Fisher? So this is one that from the moment I popped it in the VCR um, back at the video shark, I was like, I, I need to watch this. And I took it home that night and I watched it and I fell in love with it. And um like I said, I would show it to my students when I was teaching screenplay, would have a lecture beforehand and we'd talk about the different aspects of screenplay and pacing and plot and the hero's journey and some stuff. And then show that film as an example of what we had been talking about. Um, I had not watched this film for probably 10 years. Um, 
until I watched it again this weekend. And Mm -hmm. it just came flooding back to me how much I love this movie. I think cinematically it's gorgeous. Um, Screenplay is tight. The acting is phenomenal. And and the kids are just kids. They're not kid actors. These Mm -hmm. were kids who could play chess. Yeah. Um, And, and, and then you get the coda at the end of the film where it talks about how Josh went on to be the top champion under 18, but he also played football and basketball and baseball. And to me, that's just the cherry on the top. Um, There's very, very little fat to any fat in this film. Um, I'm going to give this one a solid a, and like I said, if this, this is underappreciated, if this was on satellite more, if I were to come across it, I would like stop and watch it. And I, and it just reminded me of how much I love this film and I'm giving it a solid a. Yeah. I think, I think for me, it's, it's an a minus. I don't have the same history with it that that you do. A minus is still a really good grade. And this is still a really good film. I think what blew me away as I was watching it is like there's just so much that's so well done in it from the cinematography, from the storytelling, from the acting, even from the sound editing. I mean, the points where uh-huh. he's pulling the papers out of his bag, it's just a crisp, good sound. And I know that sounds really weird, but sometimes sound editing in a movie can be crap and it ruins the whole experience. Tenet. This is not that, that kind of a film. This is really well done. And that works when you're moving the chess pieces and hitting the clock. And there's so many different sounds that they incorporate so well. Um, so really a minus for me because it is a really good movie. I just wish it had a little bit more Vinny in it and then it would probably be an a for me. Um, I, I I'm good with that. And, and really Ben Kingsley with sting hair, get you a, to a B plus level anyway. And then you add on top of it, everything else. Um, and maybe we need to talk about Ben Kingsley and like different hairstyles that he had through different movies. That would be an interesting conversation. Like sneakers where he's got the ponytail. Like, Oh, that's a fantastic movie. I Um, forgot about that. Yeah. Where he, yeah. And he's the bad guy in sneakers and he's a really good guy in sneakers. Um, But yeah, this is a great film. Go check it out. If you haven't seen searching for Bobby Fisher ever, go watch it. If you haven't seen it for a while, go watch it. I do agree. Tracy. It's it's not on Hulu. It's not on Netflix. I had to rent it through the iTunes store. Um, yeah. But do yourself a favor. And this is a movie the whole family can enjoy. And we always talk about, especially here in Utah, we always talk about how we need more family-friendly films. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of the times that we get a PG or G movie, it's like stupid for kids. And this film yeah. isn't stupid. Um, no. It's very smart. It's very accessible. Even if you're not into chess, I think that you'll find yourself drawn in like I, I was, um, and you yeah. were obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, and I know Val really wanted to look, she was really looking forward to talking about this with us tonight. So we miss her. Um, but this is a movie that just, it's, it's full of humanity. It's heartwarming. It's funny at times. It's mm-hmm. dramatic. It's got just everything that you want. It's just a, it's just a beautiful piece of, of art. Yep. Totally agree. And it's like, four bucks to rent it on iTunes. Honestly, you're not spending money on movie tickets right now because there's nothing in the theaters. So go rent this and watch it. And, and really quick, uh, they announced today that Dune got pushed back to October of 2021. Yeah. I know that hurt. That hurt. That one was painful. That I knew it was coming. 
it I looks knew it was incredible. Coming, but, oh, that one hurts. Yeah. Um, and, and Regal Cinema, they're closing all of their uh, locations. There's one in Utah up on Redwood Road, and that was a great theater. So hopefully, hopefully someday we'll get kind of past this, this yes. pandemic and we can go back to the theaters because that's a really good theater. Yeah, that uh, I was. It was funny because uh, they made that announcement. That they were closing all of the Regal theaters. I think I saw that on Saturday, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next day, I got an email from Regal saying, "Hey, come and do this to enter in for a fifty dollar gift card to Regal Cinemas." And I'm like, "Should someone tell them? They obviously don't know." Well, I'm not going to tell. I we'll just keep it. <laughs> let them find that out. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be that guy. Um. It is a weird time for movies. In all honesty, uh, yes, rent this movie and watch it. If there is a movie that looks good, Hocus Pocus is back in theaters right now. Yes. That, that's a fun one to go see. Uh, there a are sequel. a few movies that have been released. Like, go see a movie. Theaters need that money if you feel safe doing so. That's always right. the caveat. Right. Right? We're never going to encourage you to do something that you don't feel safe to do. But if you do feel safe, go out and do it. Uh, they need they need that revenue. We want to see theaters continue to thrive after all of this is over. Um, oh yeah. Because oh yeah. There's nothing like seeing something on the big screen and that communal yeah. experience, you know, being able yeah. to see it with people next to you is just, that's part of the fun. I agree. I agree. So this is a great movie. Next week, we're going to be talking about Enola Holmes on uh, Netflix. Netflix. So you can check that out uh, in preparation for next week's episode. Uh, this is a movie, honestly, not to spoil the episode for next week. I think most of you will enjoy it more than you think you would. So go check I, it out. I haven't seen it yet. I'm excited to watch it this week. I, yeah. I really like Millie Bobby Brown. I think she's a tremendous young lady. Um, I've seen some interviews with her, and she just seems way ahead in her in her professionalism and yet still being a kid, which I love to see because sometimes a child actor, they can really beat that out of you. And she yeah. still seems to have that kind of innocent joy um, of what she's doing. And it looks fantastic. And I've heard great things. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely go check it out. Uh, we'll want to talk about it next week. Um, send us feedback to uh, feedback at movies that make us.com. No podcasts. At podcasts. Movies that make us.com. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. You can also leave comments here. If you are watching us on YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe to our channel. Like this video, hit the notification button. So, you know, when we've got new videos coming up, uh, we would really appreciate that. We'd like to get to 100 subscribers at some point, which isn't a lot. We've seen a lot of other YouTube channels that have a few more than 100. We're not asking a lot. Just Marble Racing has like millions. Come on, people. Yeah, exactly. We're, we've got uh, I'd like to say we're better than Marble Racing, but I've seen some of those races and they're, <laughs> they're pretty, pretty good. entertaining. <laughs> they're pretty entertaining. But you in know, any case, maybe we need to do, maybe if we, because cats are very popular um, online. So maybe if we just, dis- no, never mind. I'm just going to say maybe we discuss the movie Cats, but we, we, we I right. don't want to well, relive that nightmare. We, we are obviously out of good ideas for the night. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and end there. We appreciate you watching. Thanks so much. And we won't see you at the movies. Well, yeah, we won't see you at the movies.
This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.